Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsnetwork.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now, here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. Lots of technology stuff going on these days. Baltimore was hit with another ransomware, the Robinhood ransomware. And they're trying to figure out how to respond. And there are two crypto mining groups that are trying to take over the web servers of the world to do their crypto mining and earn a little bit of dollars on the backs of other people's computers. And there's a big high-tech war going on between the U.S. and China. That's what's behind this trade war. It's really a technology competition to see who's going to dominate the world technology-wise. This week, we're going to feature Dustin Moskovitz. He is a co-founder of Facebook and the first chief technology officer of Facebook. You know, Mark Zuckerberg did have some friends when he put Facebook together. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. Where'd he go? Wait a minute. There he is. Hang on. There's a letter in your mailbox. Fumble fingers over there here. He was g- here on time. He should oh, not be docked. Okay, very Thank good. Thank you. We got an email from Lynn in Cleveland, Ohio. Dear Doc and Jim, I replaced my old broken desktop computer with a new laptop. Now I want to copy the files from my old hard drive, but I don't have a desktop PC to install it on. Now my old hard drive is 160 gigabyte Seagate Barracuda ST. 316002. What's the best way to recover my data? Enjoy the podcast each week. Lynn in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, Lynn, your best bet is to buy a hard drive enclosure with a USB connection. Then you can just plug your old hard drive straight into your laptop and you can copy the files that you want. Because you can't, your old computer is broken, so it won't boot up, and you will be able to have get access to those files under the assumption that you did not encrypt the hard drive, and I'm guessing you probably did not. Now, your old Seagate drive is a 3.5-inch drive. That means the uh, spinning platen, magnetic platen, is 3.5 inches in diameter. It's an SATA interface, SATA interface. Now, that means you'll need to purchase a 3.5 external hard drive enclosure that supports SATA. Now, I went on to um, Amazon, and it's a pretty good one there, Mediasonic SATA to USB 3.0 enclosure to work great for you. It's only $20. You can order that right on Amazon. I think that will fix your problem. And then all your files will be available. You just plug in plug in the USB port. And the nice thing about this, these USB hard drives is that they're powered with the USB port. So you don't you don't need a separate power plug for it. We got an email from Donna in Kansas. Dear Doc and Jim, I have a 15-inch laptop, and I usually rest it on my lap when I'm using it and watching TV because it's more just more convenient that way. 
my roommate is constantly telling me not to do that because he said, well, ruin my laptop because it will heat up and may cause premature failure. Is he right? Donna in Kansas. Well, Donna, uh, running a laptop, uh, a running laptop needs to breathe in order for its internal components to stay cool. That's a small fan in it, and there are some, some vents on the bottom. Now, when you rest a laptop on your lap, the air vents can become blocked, and they restrict the airflow into the machine. This can lead to heat buildup inside the CPU and other critical components, and it could lead to laptop failure prematurely. Now, you can get a laptop lap desk if you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can get a lap desk, and uh, and then you can put the laptop on top of it, and and that would actually um, then that would would solve your problem. Basically, these lap desks are basically like a thin piece of wood, and so the laptop sits on it, and when it sits on the legs, then the vents can actually work properly, and you can you know you can there are a bunch of lap desks. On Amazon for around twenty dollars. <laughs> around twenty dollars. I'm reading that very carefully. Uh huh. Around twenty dollars. And so, uh, but you actually you could just get a and and the you know and they're basically just a piece of wood with curved edges that look pretty and painted a nice color. Uh, you could make your own if you'd want. But sure. That would actually solve the problem. I, I guess the only issue is it's it's hard to carry it around. There is one uh, lap desk, just a thin piece. It's got a handle on, it, so you could carry it with you with your laptop, but. I just can't imagine carrying that around with you, but I think it might be good at home for you when you're just watching TV. Just stick it by the couch and pull it up and put your laptop on it. We got an email from Sarah in Baltimore. Dear Doc and Jim, I recently hid all my Facebook contacts because I have some friends that don't get along, and I don't want them to know that I'm friends with all of them because then they'd be mad at me. However, I just found out that all my friends can still see the list of friends that we have in common. Aha. That those are called our mutual friends. That was not blocked. How can I hide the list of mutual friends? Because I just don't want them to see it. Um, I enjoy the show, Sarah, in Baltimore. Well, Sarah, unfortunately, there's no setting available that will, permit, that will prevent your friends from seeing who are your mutual friends. You can easily, easily hide your entire friends list from strangers, but Facebook will not allow you to hide your mutual friends list from each other. Now, even if you could hide that mutual friends list, they could still see who you're chatting with because they could look at your timeline. So you're really not going to be totally protected anyway, but hopefully your friends will just start getting along a little better and yeah. have some yeah. tolerance. <laughs> we got an email from Nicole in Fairfax. Dear Doc and Jim, I'm planning on buying a Chromebook, but most Chromebooks only come with four gigabytes of RAM. Is that enough RAM? Or should I opt for more? My Windows laptop has a lot more RAM. Four gigabytes just seems like not much. Well, the short answer, uh, the short answer, Nicole, is that Chromebooks really don't need much RAM. The Chrome operating system manages RAM more efficiently than Windows. It uses a compressed block of RAM, compresses the data, and that dynamic and that dy dynamically reallocates uh, data in that block of RAM. As when it gets filled up. Now, some Chrome Chromebooks use as little as two gigabytes of RAM, while others come with around with as much as 16 gigabytes of RAM. Now, the standard has been four gigabytes around, and that's uh, that's been around for the longest time. That's what most of the of the, uh, of the Chromebooks are, and that's probably the cheapest uh, the cheapest variety of four gigabytes of RAM. 
But but you can also but there's now a recent shift in the marketplace where there are a lot of eight gigabyte machines out there now. But if it's just going to be sitting on a coffee table, used for light browsing, email, social networking, and the like, then I think a four gigabyte model is the best. It's probably cheaper. But if you plan on using the Chromebook as your primary machine at work, for school and play, you'd more likely want more RAM. I'd recommend if it's going to be a heavy-duty use on the machine, I'd get 8 gigabytes of RAM. That's generally more than anybody else needs. If you're a super-duper power user, you can, you could get the 16 gigabyte, but it doesn't sound like you really need it. We got an email from Mark in Richmond, Virginia. Dear Tech Talk, I've always encrypted my hard drive on my laptop for security reasons. I sometimes change my Windows password, and I'm confused. If your password is used to encrypt your hard disk, how can you change your password and still be able to decrypt the hard drive? Wouldn't you have to decrypt it first and then encrypt it with the new password? I, I'm a little confused. How is it possible to, to do that without de-encrypting de and re-encrypting? I'm a little confused by how all the Windows stuff works here. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show, Mark, in Richmond. Uh, oh, I, he enjoys the show using Alexa in ah. Richmond. Yeah. Well, I assume that you're using BitLocker for encryption of your hard drive. That's the whole disk encryption system used by Microsoft for Windows. Now, you can change your password or passphrase without needing to re-encrypt the hard drive. The secret is simply this. Your password was not used to encrypt the disk. When you first encrypted the disk, an encryption key was manufactured for you by BitLocker. And it was a key that you will never see. It's generally referred to as a 128-bit key or a 256-bit key, depending on how you've configured BitLocker. It's not even something you'd recognize as text. It's a purely random binary number. This encryption key is used to encrypt your data. Not your, your password is not used to encrypt your data. In fact, your password hasn't even been used yet when you do the encryption. Then what you do, a randomly generated encryption key, this randomly generated encryption key is then encrypted using your password. All right, this is the key. So your password encrypts the encryption key, and then it's stored somewhere on, on the Windows hard drive, probably in your user profile. And then your password unlocks the key, and then the key unlocks the data. So you can change your password, and all you have to do is just re-encrypt the key, not the entire hard drive. So when you change your login password, all the system has to do is decrypt the encrypted encryption key using your old password, re-encrypt it using the new password. The actual key used to decrypt your hard drive is never changed. Now, if you need to change the encryption key that's actually used to encrypt your data on the hard drive, you would have to decrypt the hard drive completely and then re-encrypt it. We got an email from Mia in Reston. Dear Tech Talk, I would like to schedule my email delivery for a future time. I work very late at night on my emails, but I don't want them delivered in the middle of the night. I'd like them to deliver it at 8 a.m. in the morning when everybody's at work. Now, I'm currently using Gmail as my primary account. Is there a way to do that? Love the show, Mia in Richmond. Well, Mia, you are in luck. Google, really? Google added this feature on April of 2019. Didn't know this. Scheduling emails previously required a third-party extension. Now you can... You can just, within Gmail itself, schedule up to 100 emails at a time. You just go in the Gmail website, in the desktop browser, you compose your email regularly, and then there's a send button, but now there's a little down arrow by the send button. 
you click the down arrow and you'll see something come up that says, then it says schedule send. You click on schedule send and then another screen comes up and you pick the date and the time. So you can do that. I, I tried that. Uh, actually, I tried it last night for the first time and I got an email this morning that reminded me to drive into the Tech Talk radio show. Like you were going to forget. Yeah, like I would forget. Yeah, but um, but it came right at them. I, I said, give it to me at 8 o'clock, and boom, it was there at 8 o'clock. Uh, and you can pick any time you want. And you can even schedule email for a few days out. Now, suppose you want to schedule email to your future self. Your future self? Yeah. Meaning like you have multiple personalities? No, you just, you just say like, in 50 years, you, oh. you, you, you'd like to send an email about what was happening today, so to, to kind of remind yourself. That's uh, wishful thinking, 50 years. So you can actually Gmail will schedule emails out to 2068. Wow. Now, uh, now that's if you're still around 48 years from now and Google has not changed the way the feature works, Gmail will send you an email send an email to the desired recipient. There are a couple of big ifs in there. Assuming they still have the email address. I mean, if you would do that, send it to other people, maybe something would happen to you between now and then, and they would get this email out of nowhere. In 48 years, if you're getting this, I'm probably dead. That's right. <laughs> now, you can also do the you can also do the schedule email from your iPhone or your from the Gmail app in the iPhone or the Android. You just compose your email normally. And instead of tapping the send button, you tap the menu button on the top right corner of the screen and then select schedule send. Now, you may schedule an email and say, hey, I said the wrong thing. Maybe I better cancel that email. So you can simply <laughs> you can go to your scheduled emails. You'll see them listed there. You'll see scheduled emails. It'll, it'll be there down by the by the out box, you know, in the, in the list of areas. And click on that. There'll be a list of emails that are scheduled. You can click on one and then you can, if you want, you can cancel the send. So you can always cancel it. We got an email from Linda in uh, Myrtle Beach. Dear Tech Talk, I'd like to correct my laptop. I'd like to connect my laptop to my high definition television set in the living room. I've got a game app on my laptop, and I'd like to see it on the big screen. Huh. How can I make this connection, Linda in Myrtle Beach? Well, a TV can be thought of as just a giant computer monitor. Sure. So to connect the laptop to your desktop TV, you just need an HDMI cable. And you just plug the HDMI cable into your HDMI port on your PC, and then you plug it into the HDMI in port on your TV, and then you just adjust your TV to that particular port. And boom, you will immediately see your desktop image on the TV. Now, many laptops don't have an HDMI port, a full-size HDMI port to save space, so you may need an adapter. If your computer or TV is old and it doesn't have HDMI, it may support VGA or something similar. So you could get an HDMI to VGA audio adapter, and then you'd be good to go. So that actually not not a bad idea for no, gaming because because you got all you got good gaming apps on your uh, on your laptop, but, but that might be not on your TV. Mm -hmm. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2, and 103.9 FM HD2. You can watch us do the program by downloading the, the uh, Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. We'll be right back. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. 
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Dustin Aaron Moskowitz. Dustin Moskowitz is an American internet entrepreneur best known as co-founder and first chief technology officer at Facebook. Moskowitz was born May 22, 1984 in Gainesville, Florida, and he grew up in Ocala, Florida. He attended Vanguard High School, and he graduated with an IB diploma, International Business Diploma. He attended Harvard University as an economics major for two years. He didn't graduate. In 2004... Mark Zuckerberg, Eduardo Saverin, Chris Hughes, and Dustin Moskowitz founded Facebook in their Harvard dorm room. It was originally uh, called The Facebook. <laughs> Old people still call it The yeah, Facebook. Because, because the domain name Facebook.com was unavailable. Somebody huh. else had it. So they, they, so they could get TheFacebook.com. And, uh, and so it was initially called TheFacebook.com. And Moskowitz was so excited to be part of the project that he taught himself how to code over a weekend. Hmm. He, he, I mean, he was an economics major, an international business major, but yeah, this was so interesting. He taught himself how to code over the weekend. And um, the, original, uh, the, the, the original program, thefacebook.com, was intended to be an online directory of all Harvard students. To help residential students identify members, uh, you know, students in other dorms. In June of 2014, Zuckerberg, Hughes, and Moskowitz took off from Harvard. They dropped out of Harvard there after their second year. And they moved Facebook, all three of them, to Palo Alto, California. I mean, the three of them were Facebook, and they moved to Palo Alto, California. They hired eight employees. But then they went beyond just Harvard. They decided to expand this feature to other universities. They expanded it to 2,000 universities and beyond. It was still initially just viewed as a university service. But within a year, Facebook was generating 400 million page views a day. And they decided, hey, this looks pretty good. So then they opened it up to the world. You didn't have to be a university student. Moskowitz was Facebook's first technology officer after his crash course in programming over the weekend. And then he was their first VP of engineering. He led the technical staff and oversaw the major architecture of the site, as well as being responsible for the company's mobile strategy and development. 
He stayed there only four years. He left in October of 2008. Now, by the way, he had a 2.34% share of Facebook. You know what that's worth? Uh, probably billions of dollars. $12.5 billion. <laughs> wow. So for four years of work, not bad. Not bad. A lot of people call him one of the accidental billionaires. <laughs> by the way, he was the youngest self-made billionaire ever. Hmm. And he, he got a, you know, he was a very big notoriety of that. He is eight days younger than Zuckerberg. So so Zuckerberg missed out on that title. Wow. <laughs> and and he and he got the title, the youngest billionaire in America. In October 3rd of 2008, Muscovich co-founded a company called Asana with another Facebook employee, Justin Rose, Rosenstein. Asana is an app designed to help teams organize, track, and manage work. It actually has been raising, it was raising, uh, you know, venture capital money. They, they got their Series C funding around 2016. And then during the Series C funding round, it was valued at $600 million, which is not bad. It's 2016, started in 2008. So it took eight years to get a valuation of, of uh, $600 million. Now, Moskowitz is also a big angel investor. He invested in the mobile sharing site Path, which is run by another Facebook uh, graduate, David Morin. In 2011, Muscovitz co-founded a philanthropic organization, Good Ventures, with his girlfriend, Carrie Tuna. <laughs> Sounds like a fake name. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a real name. Carrie Tuna. And her brother, Albacore. Yeah. It's C-A-R-I. Oh, Carrie okay. Tuna. Uh, it's, it, his girlfriend's now his wife, but back in 2011, it was a girlfriend. Now, it, it turns out that, that Good Ventures has donated approximately $100 million since, since 2011 to various, uh, various charities. They also created a, uh, a spinoff called the Open Philanthropy Project, and the goal is to figure out the best way to use large sums of money if you want to give them to charity. Muskowitz and Tuna <laughs> are the youngest couple to sign Bill Gates and Warren Buffett's giving pledge which commits to giving away most of your wealth before hmm. you die. For the 2016 presidential election, Moskowitz announced that he would support Hillary Clinton. Of course, Facebook guy. Yeah. And he donated $20 million to her campaign. Now, uh, he, f he did finally marry Carrie Tuna. And now Carrie— Do they have any other little tunas? <laughs> no, I don't think—I've not heard any—no no other tunas are, that I've heard of. <laughs> Uh, Tuna is currently working full-time at Good Ventures, their, um, their, their charity. That's the couple's private foundation, as well as the Open Philanthropy Project. Now, Muscovitz and Tuna, they attend Burning Man regularly, and he's written about it. And th this is very controversial because, you know, Burning Man does not like these rich billionaires showing right. up with all sorts of— all sorts of you know um, you know comforts. They like you to build your own camp and to donate it. So he, I, I, I read his jog blog about this thing. He he attended it for you know five years. He and he and uh, Carrie Tuna attended this for five five six years. They're still attending, and he talked about how he learned what he did. So he's become a real a real supporter of Burning Man. He enjoys doing it. Now on 2011, as I said earlier, Forbes reported him to be the youngest self-made billionaire. He's eight days younger than Mark Zuckerberg, the next youngest. And as of 2019, his 2.34 percent share of Facebook is 12.5 billion dollars. Mm, that's crazy. So there you go. Uh, all you want to know about Dustin 
Aaron Moskovitz, if, co-founder and first CTO of Facebook. Hope you're paying attention because knowledge you were just uh, imparted by Dr. Schertz could turn into free lunch. The pop quiz comes up next on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FMHD2 and 1039 FMHD2. Watch us do the program live by downloading the Periscope app to your device. Follow us at WFED Tech Talk. And to check out some of the great programs at Stratford University, go to stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Russ, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sit down. Yes, of course. I see you've built in time to allow them to erupt into applause. Yes, I have been doing that. Yes, it's, it's very And this is you. not simply a radio show. This is a classroom of the airwaves, and we're going to do a little uh, out, learning outcomes assessment using a pop quiz. Get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get tickets to fine dining at one of the Stratford University dining rooms. Earlier in the show, I talked about Dustin Moskovitz. He's the one of the co-founders and the first chief technology officer of Facebook. Uh... He married his wife later on in life, and she is now running their charitable organization. What is the name of Dustin Moskowitz's wife? There you go. If you know the answer to today's question, well, that's just great. Turn it into free food by picking up the phone and giving us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. Calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're surfing the Facebook in Canada, call us on the wildcard line. 
877-936-9333. Anyone else anywhere else may call us on the international line, 877-936-39333. And now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, let's talk about some interesting things that are going on. Let's talk about the two crypto groups that are actually competing in the battle to take over machines to do their crypto mining. Now, the turf war has been secretly going on since last year, ever since the rise of a new hacker group, Pacha, which was pretty successful in challenging the existing uh, group called Rock. And the um, and so we have a major battle between Pacha and Rock in the crypto mining turf world. Now, both groups operate mass scanning operations to look for open or unpatched cloud services and servers to infect them with multifunctional Linux-based malware. They're scanning for cloud computers. The most aggressive of the two is the newest group, Pacha, because they adopted a strategy where they lit, they remove any crypto mining software which is on a machine and just install their own. Using this approach, Pacha hackers have slowly carved out a large piece in the crypto mining scene of computers that they have taken over and infected. The Pacha group paid special attention to identifying and removing version of Rocks Miner because they're basically fighting for market share here. Now, this trick of removing the competitors from infected machines is also present in the Rocks malware. Currently, Rock has the advantage over Pacha due to its superior malware and the ability to uninstall cloud-based security products. Now, it used to be that this crypto mining stuff was focused on desktop users and standalone computers at, at people's homes. And they, there was a, a, a paradigm shift in this in 2018. They realized there's a lot more processing power if they go to Linux and Windows servers that are part of the cloud infrastructure. So because those machines have very high processing capability. So they started scanning the Internet and going after these machines, and this is very good. And what they do is they use this network of machines that they've taken over, and as they do crypto mining, they earn bitcoins. Or in, in the case of Rock, they earn Monero, and they actually can move on right. So we'll keep watching this uh, crypto battle, and if you've got cloud computers, you better protect yourselves against these guys. Okay. Okay. Guess what? We have somebody on the phone who'd like oh, to play very the game. Good. Let's go to line one. This is Thomas calling from Bowie. Thomas, good morning. How are you, sir? Whoops. I gotta keep. I have to remember to turn. There you go. Yeah, Thomas, there we go. Operator error here. How are you? So we oh, earlier in the show we talked about Dustin Moskovitz. Uh, of course, he is best known as co-founder, one of the co-founders and first chief technology officer of Facebook. What is his wife's name? Carrie Tuna. That, that is, is correct. The correct answer. <laughs> Thomas, that is correct. You can uh, hang on just a second here. We're going to send you back over to um, Andrew. He's going to take your information, and we're going to continue on with the show here in just a minute. It is uh, Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard every Saturday on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2. Learn more about Stratford University and their programs by going to stratford.edu and watch us do the program by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. 
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. Baltimore has been hit with another ransomware attack. Oh, yes, it has. Now, last year, the Baltimore's 9-11 system, you know, 911 system was struck with a ransomware attack. Now, the, the, the mayor... Uh, uh, Jack Young. <laughs> mayor so, for 10 days now. Yeah, the mayor for 10 days, Jack Young. Is, is he acting mayor? I no, just, he. well, she resigned. So now as city council president, he's next in line of succession. So he's he officially was, mayor. He's officially mayor, yes. Okay, so Mayor Jack Young said on Friday that the city's making progress in recovering from the ransomware attack that crippled the, the city government's computers and servers on Tuesday. Now, the FBI is assisting officials with the ongoing investigation, so Young really didn't want to go into detail. But he stressed it was business as usual for city employees, except for the fact that the computers are down. So they're moving forward, and the citizens shouldn't notice any difference except they have to do, do things manually and well, on paper. <laughs> it caused all kinds of problems. Well, first of all, not only does it affect the computer system, but it affects the office phone. So you can't call a city office right now Ah, so because it's, it's all hooked into the, you know— all hooked into the computers. It was struck with the by with the Robin Hood ransomware. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Robin Hood stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. I, I don't think these particular guys are motivated that way. Uh, I think they're motivated by lining their own pockets. Now, authorities announced that the hackers are demanding about seventy-six thousand dollars to unlock the encrypted files. Now, I w- now there's this ransomware has been out there, and if you look to the details of what they've done in other places, they initially asked for three bitcoins. If per computer, they'll infect as many computers as they can on the network, and they'll ask for three bitcoins per computer to unlock it. Now, three bitcoins at the current value is worth around twenty thousand okay. dollars at current value. But if you want to, but you get a bulk rate. So if you a bulk, if you if you say, look, I want all the computers on my network to unlock, they'll do that for seven bitcoin, which is which is uh, which is forty seven thousand dollars for seven bitcoins. But here's the rub. On the fourth day, it's ten thousand dollars more. So, like everything else, you 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 lose more in penalties than you That's do in right. the actual fine. So, on the fifth day, it's another ten thousand. So they so the so if you would pay up right away, it'd be forty seven thousand. But if you delay, they charge you ten thousand dollars a day penalty. So apparently, the seventy six thousand dollars they they actually have, let's see forty fifty six they have three days of penalties built into that, mm-hmm. and it's uh, and it's building up. Now, the same ransomware hit the municipal network in Greenville, North Carolina, last month. 
Now, here's the thing. They said if there are city employees who cannot do any work without a computer. This is great. This is so Baltimore. They're going to ask them to start cleaning up the city. There's a lot of work left there to do. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that. I and, don't you know. know how, I don't know how that's going to go. over. It didn't go over very well. The city government employees <laughs> union uh, fired back a rather angry. Uh, but I have to tell you this: I, as a city resident, a Baltimore city resident, I'm I'm kind of glad that that Mary Young isn't going to pay this fine, because you know what? This is my feeling. It just makes put you on the uh, call of call me again list. Right. Right. Yeah. Because okay, they're easy. So, so here's the thing. Um, if they have backed up their computers, then it's simply a matter of restoring the data from the backups. Now, if they have not backed up their computers properly, or if their backups were actually on the network, so the backups themselves could be infected with ransomware, then the backup data is not available. So you have the untenable choice. If your data is not there at all, it might cost you you know, millions to restore it. Right. And and so they may be forced to pay the ransomware if they don't have the data. Now, I think what they're, what they're trying to do is do an assessment to see what is backed up. Can they restore the systems without paying the ransomware? And furthermore, if they, if they pay the ransomware, I don't think they're going to say it. No, well, that's well, that's specu- the speculations of what happened last time when the 911 system was hacked. And the, the 911 system was not hacked this time. Um, as you mentioned, but the, the, the speculation is that they paid paid up and 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 got it back. But I really like that Mary Young is not going to knuckle under to these people. Um, is it possible the longer that it stays locked down that they might be able to track where this came from? Um, is it like keeping a crank caller on the line and trying to find out you know where the, who this is? No, there's there, there's there, no way of. No, no, they've they've just given the they've just given them the uh, when they when the computers are infected, there's basically the ransomware demand is just installed on the desktop and it's there. Mm-hmm. And what and if you do a a Bitcoin transfer, uh, you, you that's that's an anonymous way to transfer money, and so it is possible. With Bitcoin, when they finally convert it to real money at a bank, there may be a way to trace it back. But more than likely, they're going to do the conversion from Bitcoin to real money in a country that we don't have any access to. Mm-hmm. You know, And so the, eventually, if you try to get real money out of the Bitcoin, there's going to be – the Bitcoin number is going to be tracked to a real account and a real identity. But – uh, people are able to do this all the time, get the money through Bitcoin and remain anonymous. So now they're doing the, you know, they're starting to resume city business. Before, <laughs> you couldn't do a lot of things. For instance, you couldn't pay your parking tickets, mm-hmm. and they waived all of the the, uh, the late fees for that. But one of the things you really couldn't do is you could not get your car. If your car had been towed and impounded, mm-hmm. couldn't get the car back. Wow. Now you have to go to the impound lot and pay them cash. They can't do any electronic transfers, and they can't do anything with credit cards. You have to bring cold hard cash to the impound lot and they do everything on paper they, they do everything manually yeah. think about this if they can't get the parking ticket data then people that owe a lot of parking tickets are off scot-free poof, gone <laughs> they're well, gone. You know, the funny thing was a couple of years ago they did they did a parking amnesty thing mm-hmm. they do this every few years because you know it's like any other city i guess where people just park willy-nilly and you get tickets mm-hmm. and you just don't pay them yeah they 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 let everybody just pay face value on the tickets and because the, the the fees just stack up exponentially, yep. it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so they did that a few years ago. Um, but yeah, you're right. Now it's possible just 
Just Poof, say, gone. And just say, I paid my taxes. How about taxes? I paid my well, taxes. But in Maryland, that comes out of your state. So when you pay your state taxes in Maryland, a portion of that goes back to the, the county or oh, municipality that so. you live in. So there's no separate – although that's a very good point. I'm not a property owner in Baltimore uh-huh. City, but I guess you're right. If you, if, you pay, if you pay property taxes in Baltimore City, I wonder what, what the ramification is there. Yeah, so that's, that'll be an interesting thing. Well, this Robinhood ransomware, it's a variant of another kind of ransomware called Golong, G-O-L-A-N-G, Golong ransomware. It was originally coded in the programming language Go, and it's compiled on a 32-bit execute as a 32-bit executable file. Now, Robinhood is a malware that encrypts the victim's hard drive with RSA plus AES uh, encryption, and it instructs the victims to reach out to them via the Onion Tor website. The Robinhood, that's uh, that's action on yeah. the dark web. The Robinhood ransomware drops the victim's notification file on the desktop, the tailing the commands and how to make contact. Once contact is made, the, attack, the attackers claim they will make a decryption tool available, thereby allowing the victims to recover their files in return for payment in Bitcoin. Either three Bitcoin, if you want the whole network, seven Bitcoin plus $1,000 penalty per day, which is like um, one and a half bitcoins a day penalty. Mm-hmm. It is also notable that the ransomware does not spread within the network. What, what, what it is is that it, they'll penetrate the network, and then they push the ransomware individually. Once they've penetrated the network, they push it individually to each of the machines. So uh, we don't know what the attack vector, vector was to get in the network. Frequently, it's, it's the remote desktop because a lot of uh, network – uh, network professionals will log into all their all the uh, network devices using a remote desktop, and there are security problems with the remote desktop if you leave that accessible if you leave that port accessible open to the internet. So that is probably a likely vector. Then once they get access to the remote desktop of a trusted machine, they can take that trusted machine's trust and go all around the network and infect the other mm. the other machines, and they push it manually. Now, the Robinhood's main function is called Cool Maker, and it has a lot of func- sub-functions which are meant to disable and disrupt the, the system's backups. They, they disrupt the backups. They disrupt services. Some of the most interesting Gulong functions are stored here. And I, I went and looked at the list of files. It is, it is all expletives the way they name the files, you know, like they say – they use the F word everywhere. I, I cannot give the names on the air, but yeah. it's like shadow F, this F, all over the place. It's uh, so they and 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 some of them are really meant to insult the person who had their who had their um, you know machine taken over. Now it doesn't appear to be that sophisticated, but even though it does include the high level Go programming language. Now, based on this network intrusion and push tactic, the, the attack is reminiscent of a previous ransomware attack done on hospitals, the SAM-SAM attack. That was done a few years ago, and that was the same method. They penetrate the network, and they push them all where each individual each, to each individual computer. So there you go. All you want to know so, about Baltimore's ransomware. I have, I have a question. Yes. So when we talked about the 911 hack a few years ago, you'd mentioned the DOJ is constantly putting out – uh, updates to federal to municipal governments that hey this is out there here's a patch mm-hmm. it, did that exist for Robin Hood would it be possible for Baltimore and all these other cities that have been hacked to have been uh, notified in advance that it's out there and is there a patch available I mean the the thing is that y- y- it depends on the uh, the attack vector there's there's mm-hmm. a there is a, a 
you know, a patch for the remote desktop. But sometimes these guys will, they'll want to log into the network from home, so the port for the remote desktop is open to the Internet. Mm -hmm. That is deadly. They should never allow an open remote desktop port. And that was the attack vector for the 911 attack. I'm suspecting it's the same attack vector. Gotcha. So it, they couldn't have done anything about this. They Well, they could have patched the remote desktop, but moreover, they should have left. They should have, they should have configured the firewall so that those ports were not open and not accessible from the internet. So this was avoidable then. If if that was the attack vector, I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm sure that it was avoidable. Gotcha. And it's and it's uh, you know, but you know, you've you've constantly got to upgrade your you know and patch your software to mm-hmm. to operate. And and I think you don't want to leave too many ports open to the internet. That's that's what they're scanning for. And I suspect that's what it was. Gotcha. It's Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Radio, heard as part of the Federal News Network on 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2. Watch us do the program by downloading the Periscope device to your app, uh, app to your device, rather, and following us at WFED Tech Talk. You can also learn about all the programs at Stratford University by going to stratford.edu. We'll be right back. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. You know this trade war with China? I mean, it's been going on for 20 years. China yeah. actually started it. But actually at the um, at the heart of it is who's going to win the Who's going to have high-tech supremacy? That's what's that's what's going on here. There's a major technology battle between China and the United States. And the race for global supremacy in the tech sector is at the center of this trade war. Now, the United States has long been the world's high-tech champion, although China has been making major strides and even leads in some areas. But President Trump and many others believe that Beijing has been stealing American technology know-how, sending students over here to universities, sending, doing a lot of industrial espionage, and, the, and in order to, you know, to reduce the technological lead that the United States had over China. 
The Communist Party touted a program called Made in China 2025. They're aiming to be self-sufficient with 70% of all their key components made in China uh, by 2025. Now, this plan has alarmed Washington because they think they're going to lose valuable market share worldwide if China can make all these products. And and there's reason to believe they're going to make strides there. For instance, the Chinese telecom giant Huawei made great progress in its effort to become the global leader in fifth-generation wireless technology. Now, we've banned the use of Huawei equipment from all federal agencies, and they're going to ban it from the United States. We're trying to get our allies to also ban Huawei in this big battle. Now, last year, U.S. authorities banned the sale of electronic equipment from another Chinese telecom firm, ZTE, after, after charging with sanction violations with Iran and North Korea. Uh, they, you know, they finally reversed this, and they did uh, did allow ZTE to sell some equipment. In May 9th, U.S. regulators clamped down on China Mobile, denying the company's request to operate in the U.S. market, because they're afraid that if there's equipment in the telecom from Chinese equipment in our telecom network, it's it'll be infected, and it will be infected with back doors from China, and the Chinese government will be able to go in there and spy on what goes on to this other country. DJI is the world number one producer producer of commercial and hobby drones. You I, own one. I, I own one. Yeah, I own one, and and it you know it's used for taking pictures and video. And um, there is no comparable U.S. competitor. And DJI has seventy percent of the world's commercial drone market. The Pentagon has banned DJI drones for security reasons from any military application. In China, the tech giants Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, they call them the BAT, the BAT, uh -huh. Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, BAT, dominate markets in China thanks to online censorship or the Great Firewall, which blocks U.S. products from going in there, Google, Facebook, Amazon. In the field of geolocation, that's GPS, China is setting up its own satellite navigation network known as Baidou, Baidou, the Big Dipper. And they're going to use about 30 satellites, and they'll be expected to be fully operational within the next year. They're worried that, uh, you know, Trump has made artificial intelligence a priority, and they, he announced a $2 billion dollar annual budget for the technology. But get this, between now and 2030... China plans to invest $150 billion in AI. They think that's going to make a huge dent. U.S. still files more patents than any other country, but China is expected to overtake the U.S. in patent filings by 2020, according to the World Intellectual Property Organization. So we are in a battle for technolo technological turf, and what I think what's going on now, you know, we're penalizing the Chinese for stealing this technology, all this industrial espionage, and so all this tariff stuff is sort of part of that war. So this is not just a trade war. This is a war for the future of technological dominance in the world. So the uh, the ban on drones, is, that, is, there, is there more to it? Are they afraid that possibly that the Chinese could hack into drones that are used by the United States military? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah they, they could. Is that if, what it's if, all about? Yeah, if there's a back door, they could— they could use the GP. There's a GPS in the drone. They they could track where the drone the drone is being used. They could tap into the pictures being generated by the drone. So they don't trust any software that's written in China because the Chinese Communist government could insist on a back door, even though the companies insist that there is no back door. 
Uh, it, we actually have no idea. No idea. And so they just don't try. That's why they don't want any of the telecom equipment there. But we are – what really the issue is we have basically been an open book. We're an open society. We've just sort of let our technology – you know, we've shared it. And China does not share what they develop. They just steal what we have. So it's been a 20-year unbalanced relationship between China and the U.S. Do you fear this with your DGI drone that they may be watching you? No, I don't care what I do. Ah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not really worried about that with my drone. Okay, but just checking. Um, no, I'm you not, never know. I, and I do love that drone. I mean, I that, know you that do. That drone is like great, great, great technology. So this is an issue that transcends trade, and I th and I'm glad that we finally have uh, a president that's going to call a spade a spade and try to address it instead of just kicking the can down the road. There are others that think that this could lead to recession. Uh, it, well, it 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 depends. Well, it's already led to a huge recession in China. Mm -hmm. China is it, their their economy is really faltering because of the actions that we have taken. On the other hand, our economy is booming. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, and so there, you know, there's always the fear. But but that's the thing. If if you don't take action and just accept what they're doing, then then there's never a, a change. Mm -hmm. And this has been going on for. For 20 years, so I think it's it's a um, it's it, it's a legitimate negotiation. I think once, and I think we've hurt the Chinese economy more than they've hurt our economy with this. And I think once they can, are convinced that they're not going to get a better deal, they'll negotiate. See, they delayed this because they thought Trump was going to win the next election, and they thought they could get a better deal from a Democrat president. And so now that it looks like Trump has a better chance to win the next election then they then they're they're more interested in negotiating mm -hmm. it's all politics yep google unveils auto delete for some data you know people are worried that uh, you know google just collects data they collect they they have they automatically collect your location history and other private data and uh, and they and they're they are creating a way for individuals to auto delete some of their data, so Google just doesn't have all this data on you. This this data collection is a huge problem. So they're setting up a system where you can choose a time limit for how long you want your data activity to be saved. You could say, okay, save it for three months and then delete, or you could say, save it for eighteen months. The older any any data older than that will be automatically deleted from your account on an ongoing basis. That's actually a pretty good. Pretty good program. These controls are coming to location history and web and app activity, and they'll be rolling out in the next few weeks. As they've announced that it's not active yet, but it's almost active. The Google location history, save locations reported on mobile devices that are logged into your Google account. Like if you're if like if you're logged into Gmail on your mobile phone, it'll just track where you are. They'll, they'll, they'll store all that data. You can also go to the Google Activity Control settings to completely turn off the features that save your location history and web and application data. That's also a new feature, which is very good. But the new auto-delete option will provide kind of a middle ground where you don't want all your data stored, but you, you know, forever, and you want it deleted after a while because it is true if they have some location information about you, you, you can get better services, kind of where you go, you know what kind of stores you're around, and you can get more relevant ads and that sort of thing. So, so there may be a value to have if for them having the data. You just don't want to have forever. So this auto delete after three months or eighteen months maybe is a good compromise between not letting them keep any data. Now Google's announcement that said data that saving the data uh, 
would be would be available. Oh yeah, why why it's why it's useful for you to ha- if they have that data is that they could recommend a restaurant that you might enjoy, or, right? Or they could or another product or something. Or they could recommend a, a pick pick, or they could show where you, you were doing searches yesterday, and they and you could pick up where you finished your searches yesterday, so you don't have to redo it all again. So there's kind of a value of having some near time data available. Now this will this and it will eventually auto delete is going to come to other kind of data. I'm glad that they are finally finally addressing this data privacy issue because this is going to be the big issue of the next decade. Yeah. You can see it's coming along really fast. And, and Facebook said they're going to try to, you know, emphasize all of this data privacy because because you know, they're they're getting so much pushback, but I'm telling you, they're they're Rich collection of data that they have at Facebook allows advertisers to really target ads dramatically. So I could say, I want somebody that earns $35,000 male, and they ride a motorcycle, and you could, these, you could put a whole lot of print, and you could deliver ads just to those people. So Facebook ads are so highly targeted that they are valued by... You know, by companies who want to advertise on the internet, and that's where Facebook makes all their yeah, money. Sure. So if all this data is gone, what's going to happen? Yeah, that's a very good question. I don't think we really quite know. I how don't. They... I don't know how Facebook's going to solve the problem because they make all their money by selling the data. So if all of a sudden they say we're not going to sell your data, they don't have a. a they don't have a revenue stream. They don't have a revenue stream. And so I. D- I just don't. When they say they're going to do that, I just don't believe oh, it. I, yeah. I just, I just don't believe it. And how do you change the business model? I mean, once it's free, you can't ask people to start you, paying you, for it. No, nobody's, nobody's going to pay for, for Facebook. So Zuckerberg is trying to say they're going to become very, very, uh, you know, very conscious of the data. Now Google, you know, Google also makes money on advertising. It's the same yep. thing. Oh, absolutely. And so that, that is the same kind of deal. If they actually take their system. And uh, get rid of all of the data. They're not going to be sell as many ads. Listen, yep. we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And we want you to go to the Stratford Uni- University website, www.stratford.edu. Check out our software engineering programs, networking programs, health science programs, nursing, culinary, hospitality, business accounting. And let them know that you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.